Dear sports fans, elevate your game to the next level with a Toyota truck. Drive the crowd favorite Tacoma. This versatile playmaker is ready to own the weekend. Choose the tailgating MVP, the Toyota Tundra. This is one vehicle that comes up clutch. Or ride in the adventurous 4Runner, a true champion on and off the road. Whichever truck you choose, you're getting a real winner. Come join the team of champions, Toyota Trucks. Visit toyota.com to learn more or check out your local Toyota dealership today. Toyota, let's go places. If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. But I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. Uh, wines, I find them extremely helpful in, ha in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two run, home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go out. Chuck Nasty. Two run, home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNBR Rockies podcast presented by the Green Solution. Make sure to visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Use a promo code DNVR20 to get 20% off your entire order. Let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And with me today is our guy, Patrick Lyons. As we jump into this thing, we've been talking about doing it for a while. We did it last year with a slightly different format than how we're going to do it this year. But... The end results are going to be more or less the same. We're going to talk about more or less every single free agent that is out there. Some of them will skip over pretty quickly and say, Rockies won't be in on that guy. Maybe talk a little bit about why. But we've got some time here to go through it. I think there are some interesting candidates all up and down the spectrum. What I figured we would do this offseason is go by position. And I, th I think that'll be an interesting way to structure it. So we're going to begin with starting pitchers, which will probably take us more than one episode to get through because there's a lot of starting pitchers who are available. And it is a position that the Colorado Rockies should absolutely be looking at. We've talked about 
the reasons why this is the case, even if you were the most optimistic person about John Gray, Herman Marquez, and Kyle Freeland, I think there's still a strong argument to be made that they need to shore up the rest of that rotation. There are too many question marks around the group of Peter Lambert, Jeff Hoffman, Chichi Gonzalez, Tim Melville, Antonio Sensatella. Some interesting and, and fun names in there, but you'd like to buoy that with something, right? And so we're going to spend uh, this episode and, and probably the next one trying to decipher who that something is. What makes the most sense in that particular uh, category? Yeah, you know, and that bottom line, any of the money that they're going to expend this offseason can be used uh, in a frugal sense just to at least pick up an innings eater because that, again, was an issue that they had last season, of course. You can't uh, count on injuries to Marquez and John Gray shutting down their season for the final six, seven weeks of the year. Uh, obviously very frustrating. A uh, couple other guys getting banged up. So at the bottom line, if they can just get somebody to really stabilize the rotation, um, and again, very much like your piece recently did about the hopes for 2020, you know, with Gray and Marquez coming back and, and maybe getting a 4-5 ERA out of Freeland, that moves everybody down in, in the rotation. So I think for the Rockies, a front-of-the-line starter would be important. Maybe on any other team, that would be a number two or a number three. But ultimately, yes, that is has to be the number one motive for this organization right now after what we saw in 2019. It has to be improving the starting rotation. Especially because that can also have the added benefit of moving other guys into the bullpen role. You get kind of a two-for-one when you add a decent starter here. Let's take a couple of names off the board then, shall we? Let's get into some specifics and let's dash a lot of people's hopes right away and announce here, you heard it here first, an exclusive at DNVR. The Colorado Rockies will not be signing Garrett Cole. Uh, any challenge there? I challenge you in the fact that I think there is also an equally unlikely chance that they will sign Steven Strasburg. So there you go. So we, we, we don't agree on who they are not going to get. Oh, I guess they could not get both of them, which is most certainly going to happen or not going to happen. Correct. I, I think those are two names we can just go ahead and, and throw away. I also think that Madison Bumgarner is someone we can rule out. It will be interesting to see what the market does with Bumgarner, a guy who's been underpaid for almost all of his career, but now who's coming off of a, a down year. Now he had a 390 ERA over 207 innings. Uh, you know, the guy is still a good pitcher, but he's 30 years old now. But I still think he's going to command at least $20 million a year, and that's just too rich for the Rockies' blood. I think that's fair. It'll be very much an incentive-laden contract with probably an opt-out where, you know, if he, if he wants to have himself some guaranteed money, he can get a, a good five-year deal out there on the uh, free agent market. But you're right, he's, he's coming off of a season where it was definitely not that vintage bum gardener. So the average annual value is going to be close to 20, whereas we would have guessed a couple years ago it would have been closer to 30. So we'll see if, you know, how much he wants to bet on himself and if kind of going back home to the, that North Carolina area and playing with the Braves, you know, how much of a discount he's willing to take to go there and, and how much he's willing to bet on himself. That team would be scary. It'd be some scary. They're going to lose some stuff too. looks like they'll probably lose Donaldson to free agency. I, I would expect someone else to be willing to pay him. But throw Madison Baumgartner on that Braves team, dude. 
Yikes. Uh, but, but I think you're right. And then a couple others that the Rockies just are almost certainly not going to be in on. This would be, you know, the 1% to 5% chance that they offload some contracts really fast and they find themselves, hey, we can get a Zach Wheeler or a Dallas Keuchel. Uh, either way, I think those are at least $15 million a year pitchers. Wheeler might have made himself a $20 million a year pitcher this year. Uh, he was slow in getting to where the Mets wanted him to get to. I always think he's younger than he is. He's been around for a little while. He's at 30 years old now. But uh, he's going to get paid, that's for sure. The biggest issue that the Rockies have, and they, they've always had this issue, and it, it's the largest hurdle as to why they really might need to revamp how they go about their business. And this is really a, a topic for a whole other day. And uh, we'll have to talk about it off air, how we'll, we'll handle that. But pitchers do not want to come to Colorado, bottom line. They do not want to pitch at Coors Field. And you have to overpay for that. If you're talking about a top-of-the-line starter, especially one who maybe is sniffing around the Hall of Fame or at least has their eyes set on that if they can string together you know, four or five more all-star seasons, then there's no possible way, there's no amount of money you could give Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg or Madison Bumgarner to come to Colorado because they're, they're, they're looking to get something more than just paid, right? They want a, a championship, which the Rockies don't have. They, they don't even have an NL West pennant. And... You know, they, they want an opportunity to, to go to Cooperstown. And although, you know, they would still, you wouldn't lose respect of your peers to play for Colorado, you certainly would, would lose out on a lot of those postseason awards. And because of that, you could totally derail your, your chances of, uh, of a Cooperstown resume and also could ruin your chances from that sixth and seventh year. You know, some of these guys re-enter free agency. We saw that with Sabathia, and he still had a couple good years left. And Carlos Beltran. He got done in free agency, and, and he still had three or four more years left out there uh, of productivity. And I think if you, you come to Colorado in your early 30s or even at 30 years old, there's a good chance that you know, the wheels could come off, and that's it. You, you get your one final payday. So even a guy that's making $20 million, he may be requesting 24 to 25 annually, as well as at least one extra year. So now you're going and you're giving a minimum of $50 million more to a guy to pitch in Colorado, and he might not very much be excited about it. Even though we have great school system here in Colorado in our state, uh, he's, he might not be terribly excited to do that. So you're right, all those guys will, will not be coming here. Yeah, and, and all the stuff that goes into that, some of it fair, some of it not. You know, how competitive will be will the team be? No one really knows for sure, but, I mean, we even see with the conversations we have about Larry Walker over and over again, whatever it is, like, the, that, the tables have not turned on that conversation yet, and people are still out there looking at raw ERAs, and, and no one's going to want to come to Coors Field for the next payday. It's going to have to be reclamation projects. But I do think there are some interesting in-between ones. We'll get to those in a second. Let's take another couple of names potentially off the board here. Uh, well, I don't know. Tell me how you feel about Cole Hamels. He's interesting because he's a veteran now. He At 36, he's done. No, he's not done. Done. I think Cole, I mean, he's still this year put up a 381 ERA. But he's made his big money. I think he's looking for the last couple of years of his career type of deal I could see him maybe falling behind a lot of these other guys 
and being more of a 12 13 million dollar a year pitcher am i am i thinking maybe too optimistically that that a guy like that might actually welcome an end of career challenge to take on Coors Field and say whatever this, i'm i'm going to live my best life here i don't think it's a long shot uh, by any means but you know Hamels is is getting up there and, and he would like to add another uh, world series ring um, to his resume after having already won one with the Phillies, of course. And he pitched, you know, rather well last year. He was the, the best starter in the, the Cubs rotation during some of the, the middle parts of the year. So, you know, a 3 8 one uh, ERA with, with Chicago over the course of the season. And, you know, he, it seems like, you know, the, the Cubs are going to be a, a decent fit for him again, quite possibly. Uh, reunion with the Phillies seems very likely from a lot of the reports coming out of Philadelphia. The Phillies are going to make a play at him. And, again, he's a Southern California boy, so going to play with it for his hometown Padres. We know they still have money to spend. They need to shore up their starting rotation. So I think those are most likely going to be Hamill's suitors with San Diego and Philly at the top. So I, I don't think that's likely. But he was a guy of, of my five top starting rotation uh, guys for the Rockies to go after that could be, you know, feasible. Hamels was one of those guys that probably was going to take a third year. It's probably going to take, you know, $15 million. So if you're uh, up for paying, you know, three years, $45 million for Cole Hamels, that could happen. But I could uh, also easily see Hamels taking two years at close to $22.5 million from one of those other uh, two organizations he has some familiarity with. One of the things I have talked a lot about with the Rockies is the potential to backload contracts. So, you know, that really helps the fact they have this money crunch right now. But in a year or two, they're going to have a lot less of a money crunch. Not if they backload a whole bunch of contracts, they won't. But it's something that's going to be more uh, valuable to an older player, a guy who is 36 or 37 years old. You say, oh, you're, you're telling me that when I'm 38, I'm going to be guaranteed to make a bit more extra money than I am right now? Yeah, I'll take that deal. Uh, so I, I think he could fit in nicely there. I would your contract scenario. If I'm Jeff Breidich, I would absolutely, if Dick Monfort's willing to spend that much, uh, offer that to Cole Hamels. And then I think we move into the next category, the next tier down. There's a lot of interesting pitchers, and and you could maybe argue if if they all fit into the same category here. For me, uh, Rick Porcello is an interesting one because he's coming off a down year at 31, bad season with a 5.52 ERA when he was making $21 million. But there's also a reason he was making $21 million. Porcello had been a very reliable, very solid, very steady pitcher for a while at 31 years old. He may not be done. He could be a potential. I talk about reclamation project. This is a high-end potential reclamation project for the Rockies. I still think he'll probably be out of their price range. But again, I, I could see with a lot of the excitement over these other guys, he gets lost in the shuffle a little bit settles for maybe a bit of security some of the projection systems i've seen have him you know getting more of a, a short-term deal after having somewhat of a of a down year last year but this guy has has been a major leaguer since he's been 20 years old and the least amount of innings he's had in one year is 162 and that was when he was 21 with the tigers so the guy is is consistent 27 starts every single year since going back to 2009 He's also from New Jersey, uh, so, so, so I like that. Uh, you know, he won a, a Cy Young Award in 2016, stole it from Justin Verlander, and, uh, and he's got a World Series ring. So, again, 
somewhat similar profile to Cole Hamels in that he's got that postseason experience and still has a lot left in the tank and is a reliable starter. So, uh, Drew, you're, you're picking him off my uh, top five guys on my list because Hamels is there, and so is Rick Porcello. I think, you know, if the, if the projections are to be believed, I think they could bring in, you know, Rick Porcello for two years under $30 million, which, again, is a lot for a starter, and Colorado hasn't gone out and spent that kind of money before, but not to, to harp on, uh, on this point, but they also haven't won the NL West so the way they've been going about doing their business isn't necessarily the way they should continue doing that. So Porcillo, also one of those guys I, I would like to see the Rockies kick the tires on. I mean, to be fair, they have spent money on pitching before, just never successfully. Uh, and, and so that's part of the reason why they're gun-shy. But it's been over a decade since, you know, the, the Mike Hampton, Denny Nagel fiascos. And so I think it, it's time. And, and this is not that. Like you just said, uh, Two years, $30 million for Rick Porcello is completely reasonable. It would probably be their entire off-season budget for this year unless they can get it, again, backloaded. Uh, but you, you may call that good. If, I mean, that's at least a number three in your rotation if he gets back to being a little bit who he was. Of course, the problem there is what if he comes and puts up another 552 ERA season? That was your whole off-season. You've done nothing to help anywhere else on your roster. There's definitely risk there. But I like his resume, too. I, I'm with you. I, I, and I especially think if you can get him for even a little bit cheaper than that, definitely would jump at it. I actually skipped over a guy I just want to mention real quick. Hyungjin Ryu. His age makes him maybe slightly more gettable, but I don't, I don't think so. He's, he's priced out. He was one of the best pitchers in the National League this last year. Uh, he was worth, according to SpotRack, $27 million while making 17. He's going to probably be right. Or maybe uh, the lowest I could see him going is 15 and I just don't think that he'd be a, a fit at all. So, yeah. Yeah, he'll, he'll get his money, no doubt about it. And, you know, again, going back to Porcello, it's, he's got 2,000 innings as a major leaguer. 2,000. Right now, uh, John Gray has the most at under 650. So there's a lot of value in having that veteran guy to the staff. For a while, Chad Bettis was that guy. Um, again, did, did a fantastic job in that role. But I think that could you know, take a lot of weight off the shoulders of some of those starting pitchers, those young guys in the rotation. I think Chichi Gonzalez, you started seeing him do that a little bit last year. doesn't have, again, the same innings as far as his veteran uh, leadership, if you will, but he's up there a little bit more in age and has obviously been uh, up in the majors back with the Rangers in his early 20s. So he's one of those guys. And, you know, the interesting thing about Ryu and, and to go back to Cole Hamels is that you know, Freeland's the, the only lefty right now. He's the only lefty in the rotation, and, you know, they, they don't really have anybody else uh, coming up through the pipeline outside of, obviously, Ryan Rawlison, but he's got a long way to go. And, again, you don't want to put that kind of pressure on those young guys. So Hamels is, is one of those lefties that would really help out to kind of balance the rotation. And I got one more lefty that we'll bring up in just a little bit as a teaser. Yeah, losing Tyler Anderson and Sam Howard, uh, who, who really had become a reliever, but he was still maybe an option as a starter. You're right, they're, they're bereft of lefties, and that's uh, berefties, if you will. I, I apologize. And, and so let's keep that in mind as we continue to move forward here. Uh, now we come to the, the two solid veterany guys that I've talked a lot about as kind of my ideal targets. This is going back to the middle of the season. Of course, everyone is, say it all together with me now, Tanner Roark. 
And Jake Odorizzi, who's maybe like a rich man's Tanner Roark. He's coming off a little bit better of a season. He just put up a 351 ERA as an integral part of that Twins team that just had a phenomenal, phenomenal season. Uh, it is by far his career high, though he did have a really good year for Tampa Bay in 2016 as well. Just another steady, steady guy. He might get priced up a little bit more. I feel like there's a little extra shine on Odorizzi than Roark, but how do you feel about these two guys? Uh, one thing I do want to bring up, where is a, someone was asking me why I'm so in love with Tanner Roark, and I've mentioned almost everything on this podcast except for one thing, and that is his career 257 walk per nine rate, and it's never been higher than 318. When you look at some of the, it's correlation, not causation, for sure, but when you look at things that correlate to when Rockies pitchers are good, have good individual seasons, have success, just talk to John Gray. Don't walk people. Do not walk people at Coors Field. It will kill you. And so that's something I always take a look out for. Tanner Roark has an exceptionally low walk rate throughout his career. I'm trying to find Jake Odorizzi's. Uh, not quite as low, but still pretty good at 3.1. He's been over three, right at three this last year, 3.8 the year before that. But again, those would be career highs for Roark. 257 walks per nine rate. For Roark, what do you think of these two veteran righties? Well, Roark definitely could, again, eat up some innings. Uh, he's a guy that's been traded for twice you know, to the Reds and, of course, to Oakland um, for the trade deadline. So, you know, you know, other organizations value him. So uh, there, there's something to be said for that. Um, but, again, Drew, you're, you, you have uh, a tendency here to, to hit these guys. Uh, Jacob Rizzi, he's he would probably be number one. 1A, uh, we'll get to 1B later, but Jacob Rizzi would be that guy. You know, he's, he's long been valued. In fact, came to the Rays originally um, in the Wade Davis deal. So uh, that would be interesting seeing both those guys in the same clubhouse originally drafted by the Royals. And, you know, he's got a qualifying offer, so of course that would, you know, cost Colorado um, one of their draft picks. So that's going to be definitely something I, I think they're going to, you know, look away from doing their, they've definitely shied away from losing their picks, uh, especially after the last time they did it with, with Ian Desmond, you know, they, they dropped back, you know, very far until they, they were able to make their first selection. But I think ultimately with, with Rizzi getting, you know, at least $15 million a year for three years, I think that's what he's going to get on the open market it's three years, 45. And if that's what he's getting from everybody else, that means Colorado needs to pony up four years and 60 million and I don't think they're going to do it, but I would like to see them do that because, you know, there's, there's no two ways to put it. I think this could be the most important offseason in the Rockies' history. Um, again, we can get into that in another podcast. We'll try to stay on topic, but uh, they, they need to go for it somehow. Some shape or form, they need to go for it. Uh, we'll, we'll break this down another time, uh, but... Odorizzi a four years, sixty million. Yeah, go for it. That's a winning move. I think that's a winning move. I don't think anyone would be able to fault you for doing that. And again, I'll, I'll use the word again. If you can backload it, especially at four years, that gives you extra wiggle room. That's exactly the kind of thing the Rockies should be doing. The 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 kind of it's not the huge blockbuster, big splash. Madison Bumgarner, Garrett Cole, those names we ran through, but it is bigger than what they've been doing certainly from a starting pitching standpoint. 
And I think it would just give a great amount of, you don't ever have certainty. I was going to say certainty in starting pitching, but a, a safety net for Gray Marquez Freeland. And whether it's Odorizzi or Roark, I think they're both going to be right in that range. Maybe Roark's a little bit cheaper, I think, and that's probably, you know, a decent consolation prize. I, I could see either one of those guys, but they're both win now type of moves, going for it type of moves, an aggressive move that isn't necessarily a blockbuster. And I think it would be the ideal scenario. Other than, I mean, people are going, no, Madison Bum, no, an ideal realistic scenario, one of these two types of guys. Um, now, here's one. Uh, now, you may have been alluding to this gentleman. I've never been a big fan of his. So Alex Wood is the next guy I'm looking at. But he's coming off a pretty bad year. But he's still 29 years old and a lefty. Uh, he could be a cheaper option. He's had some good years uh, for the Reds. But he's always kind of been one of those lost potential types of guys. He could be a reclamation project. Again, I could see him slipping through the cracks as one of those he ends up making a little bit less than maybe he's worth and, and wouldn't charge the right. Like you were just saying with Roark and Odorizzi, you've got that issue of, okay, if I'm worth 45, it's going to take 50, 55, or an extra year in 60 to go play in Colorado. Well, Alex Wood is not in a position where he can do that. He's got to go the other way. Yeah, I'll play in Colorado as my tax for getting my next contract. Maybe he's a guy you get on a one-year deal for cheap, turns it around and spins that into a bigger contract because he's got enough time in his career. Yeah, he, you know, he, he came up pretty quickly, um, you know, made his debut at 22, but, you know, it was only taken, uh, you know, the year before in, in 2012. So his development was, was rather short-lived uh, with Atlanta before getting dealt um, to the Dodgers and then last season to Cincinnati. But, you know, that, that's the other issue with Colorado, Drew, is, you know, they're going to have to overspend on, on guys who they're going to have a negative impact uh, on their career or, or Hall of Fame chances. Odorizzi, Roark don't really have to worry about that necessarily. So they'll take the payday, just throw in that extra year, an extra 10 to $15 million. But a guy with wood like Wood, I think, you know, I, I don't know if he can get a, a pillow contract. Um, it would have to be one from Colorado. But... I don't know how well you could sleep on that pillow pitching in Coors Field over the course of a season. So if he comes to Colorado for one year, I think he could destroy any potential that he has. Uh, and then saying, okay, 2019 wasn't very good. 2020 was, was awful. So I, I, I think he could go anywhere else and just take, you know, $3 million, say, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for my next contract because I'm going to bet on myself and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch really well here in this ballpark. But a one-year deal for, for any pitcher outside of Jamie Moyer, you know, when he was 48, 49 years old. Um, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. And that, again, is another problem that the Rockies need to, to fix right now when it comes to their starting rotation because nobody worth their weight is, uh, is going to want to come here, and no one that is going to sign a one-year deal is going to want to pitch here either, unfortunately. I'm still waiting for someone to see the flip side of that coin and say, if I go there and pitch well, I'm going to get really paid. But no, you're right. It, it would take a very confident person to believe that they could pull that off rather than just taking the safe money. Because you're right. If it goes the other way, your career might be over. That's that's quite the risk to, to take. But hey, bet on yourself, free agent pitchers. Come on, let's go. Uh, you can do it. 
Speaking of betting on yourself, I do want to step aside for just a minute and mention our good friends over here at the Denver Rubber Company who have bet on themselves. They've bet on us because they're a local business. We're a local business. We support each other. But we're most excited to tell you about some of the stuff they've got available for you. And they've been doing this since 1972. They've got the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And guess what? The snow is coming. Well, it's been here for a little bit. And We've been getting the taste of everything that you can do with Denver Rubber Company when it comes to the snow plows. They can cut to size and pre-slot all your snow plow rubber. The blades can be made uh, to whatever size you need them to. We've seen these things that they've been making uh, with the wind turbine blades, even stuff that can cut material that's used for bulletproof vests. So remember that Denver Rubber Company custom makes all of it, and you can purchase your products for yourself buy for bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people just like us here at DNVR. So be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR and be sure to tell them who sent you. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer like entire team instruction and fitness programs you know the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge positive attitude work ethic and fun that their summer camps provide your child will want to play on one of their teams Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more. Let's jump back into our conversation here on the free agent starting pitchers out there and available that the Colorado Rockies could, should, and probably will be considering on some levels. Uh, my, my list here is in a weird order, but I'm just going to kind of continue going down. It's mostly based on what guys were paid last year. I'm looking at the spot rack list. I've been jumping around a little bit, but... As we go in next, uh, Ivan Nova, who's never had phenomenal numbers, uh, spent time in a couple of different organizations, most recently with the Chicago White Sox, at 33 years old, coming off a year with a 4.72 ERA, not going to get anybody excited. There's actually another guy out there uh, who had been with the Padres for a number of years, now with the Orioles, and Andrew Kashner, who's basically the same thing, uh, a righty with a good fastball. Has had some good years. It looks like his best years are behind him. Do either one of these guys strike you as potential reclamation projects for the Rockies that could be had at a decent price that would be, 
you know, neither one of these guys are working on a Hall of Fame ending to their careers. They're both just kind of trying to stay in the show uh, and get a little something done. Do you think they fall on, on that other side of your spectrum where you're talking about, hey, no one's really going to want to come here, or are they just going to be... I feel like both these guys could end up being leftovers at the end of the offseason that you look in and go, you know, a couple million bucks. There was a time Ivan Nova was really really solid pitcher a time when Andrew Kashner you know high three ERAs they may or may not ever get back to there but if they can pitch even at the numbers they've put up last year as your number four number five for two million bucks three million bucks that might be worth it you hit the nail on the head it'll really be just uh, a game of, uh, of of hot potato and musical chairs that's the game I wanted to say Musical chairs, and uh, those two will most likely be, you know, the, some of the last ones, you know, to go to a place. And I think that could be, you know, the, the best fit for the Rockies. Again, it would be unfortunate if they had to wait until, you know, early February to finally, you know, improve their, their starting rotation. But going back to what we talked about before, you know, both of those guys are going to be pitching in their year 33 season. So, you know, w- with, a, with an incredibly down year in Colorado, that could you know be the end of, of any guaranteed deal so you know we'll, we'll see what opportunities are out there for them but yeah they're not gonna be one of the first ones off the board unless unless Colorado likes you know what what they see out of those guys Cashner of course didn't pitch you know terribly well when he, when he moved over to Boston uh, for the second half of the season did pitch well uh, with Baltimore and again he knows the NL West rather well with being with San Diego so Maybe they're a little aggressive and, and they go after those guys. They'll, they'll end up spending more uh, than when if they were you know w- were to wait. But you know, but but maybe that's what you need to do to kind of really just inject some life, uh, not into just the starting rotation, but into the fan base to a certain degree and the entire organization to say, hey, we are going to make moves even though we're kind of handcuffed a little bit. But uh, you know, the Rockies and, and Dick Monfort, they're the ones putting the handcuffs on. No one else is telling them that they need to do that. They're the ones who've said that. So I, I could see these two, you know, uh, fitting in uh, with the Rockies roster. And like you said, being a back end of the rotation, just eating up some innings. That has a lot of value, especially after what you saw from the rotation in 2019. 2018, was that an aberration? That, that's, what, that's, the, that's the million dollar question that we're all trying to figure out. And again, your piece touches on that. I recommend everybody this week. Fantastic. What was disappointment from 2019? What are the hopes going into 2020 that we took away from the last season? So um, you read the article, leave us some feedback on the dnvr.com, and uh, we can answer those questions right away for you. So uh, I I thought those pieces were really good by you, Drew, and and really could lead into this offseason and what they do with their starting rotation options. And, well, frankly, that's what we're doing right now is, is talking about those options. Yeah, and I do think it, you know, makes it clear what they need and what they don't and what they can get and what they can't get. And that's why these middle ground guys are all so intriguing. Like any one of these guys could have an impact that turns the rotation back from the Rockies' biggest problem. So spoiler for those two articles, this is maybe one of the fun parts. There was one thing that was the biggest reason for the Rockies' failure that was also on the list for the biggest reason for Rocky's hope, and it was the starting rotation. And part of it is because I believe they're one key veteran guy away from flipping, and and a solid rebound from Kyle Freeland, away from flipping the whole thing around. And what we're trying to figure out here is who's going to be those guys. 
I'm going to take some names off the board for age, unless you want to fight me on them. I think they're in that Jamie Moyer category. Uh, Jason Vargas at 37 years old. CC Sabathia at 39 years old. He's done so, right? Is, is he officially retired? Um, by the way, CC, thanks, man. You are really, really, really fun to watch pitch and talk and play the game of baseball. So um, shouts, everyone, everyone uh, take a shot. If you're uh, drink a Breck brew for CC Sabathia. And then uh, Rich Hill, I think, is also done. At 40 years old, he's on the list. He's, he's out of here. So, all, so we'll take all of those guys off of the list and continue uh, plowing along here. Uh, Kyle Gibson, another guy out of the uh, Minnesota organization, had an okay year with a 484 ERA, over 160 innings at 32 years old. To me, he's just too in between. I'd, I'd rather go Roark and Odorizzi, but unless you've got a specific attachment to Kyle Gibson, I, I think I can continue to, to move on there. Oh, you've got it. I do. I do. Right. Kyle Gibson, uh, I would put him as the number one target for the Rockies this offseason. I uh, recently actually just spoke this morning on uh, Sirius XM MLB Network Radio about uh, some stuff he was doing in the offseason, kind of giving back. I think he went down to the Dominican Republic um, as he you know, is keeping an eye on uh, some, some young ladies uh, as far as uh, you know, being pen pal and sponsoring this, this uh this young person down in the DR and uh, got a bit of colitis and that really sapped him of some strength the second half of the year. So he uh, very much, you know, had a down season, a lifelong twins guy was, was a guy that, you know, unfortunately didn't develop when uh, as quickly as the twins were hoping, um, you know, on the, on the heels of, of Miguel Sano and, and Byron Buxton, he was part of that, that next wave of, of twins guys that really had folks excited up there in the Twin Lakes region and, you know, finally really started bringing it together at, at, at the tail end here. Uh, I believe he's 32 years old, and, you know, you could get him possibly for two years at, at $30 million. I, I think that's, that's essentially his going rate, so it could be a, a third year, anywhere from 40 to 45. So he could be in, in, the, in the general ballpark of what Jake Odorizzi is, is at, but... You know, with, with the second-half issues that Gibson had, you know, some people could be down on him a little bit more, but he would be that guy. I think he would be that guy for Colorado to target where, as we've been saying, he's not one of the, the big-name guys that are going to command a lot of money, and he's not a, a guy that's going to take a chance on a one-year deal in sign with Colorado. So he's, he's right in between there, and Kyle Gibson would, would be uh, one of those targets. Uh, got a little playoff experience under his belt this past year in Minnesota. Got to see that franchise grow. So uh, I know that might surprise you a little bit, but but he's the guy. He's the guy that I like uh, for this uh, organization to go after. Oh, and I, I like everything that you just said there because, and I brought this up in the catcher conversation too, that one of the things that we're not doing when we just look at the numbers, and we preach this all of the time, is not thinking about what kind of person needs to be able to succeed at Coors Field. And the organization cares about that a lot and should. When I bring up Tanner Roark, a lot of people brought up to me Jeremy Guthrie. I went and looked at the numbers. They're almost the same, dude. It, you know, the stuff we're talking about, innings, eaters, and you know, kind of the high three, low four ERA, but super consistent. And you've got something similar here 
with Kyle Gibson. I, I brought his stuff up as you were talking about him. Two things that jumped off at the page at me, a 325 career walk per nine, so pretty darn low, not as low as Roark, but that's pretty solid, and he's coming off a, a 315 this last year. Doesn't strike out a ton of people, though he's coming off a career best at nine strikeouts per nine innings, so that that's pretty quality. And all of his... FIP and XFIP numbers are all lower than his ERA across the board. That's a good sign that a guy's skills will translate. And if you've got a really great defense, you might be able to get even more out of that pitcher. And even though WAR can be tricky when you're looking at guys, I do like just going down the list and looking at an FWAR or a BWAR, ROR, however you um, say it. And for Kyle Gibson here, you've got just from 2014, it looks like on a 2.7, a 2.8, a 1.3, a 1.0, a 2.6, and a 2.6. You're talking about a guy who pitches innings, pitches mostly pretty well, gets the job done. So, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely selling me on this guy. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more strikeouts, and I think if you can get Roark for cheaper, I'd still go that way. But if they're the same price and you think Gibson has the right attitude, had the right off-season program to get himself right and all of that stuff, then maybe he is the guy. That's exactly the kind of thing they need to be looking at to, to say who is going to take that extra step also as a person and is going to have the Jeremy Guthrie thing where they're so used to being steady that as soon as they get thrown into the least steady environment in baseball, they fall completely apart. So maybe Gibson's the answer to that question. Yeah, he's had to contend with a lot up in Minnesota. It's, it's not easy pitching there, certainly in, uh, in early April. We know what the weather can be like there. Uh, especially now with Target Field kind of being that open-air stadium that they've got. And uh, Colorado will, of course, be visiting uh, Minneapolis for uh, this season when they play the Twins there uh, during the course of the year, I think at some point in June. But, yeah, Gibson's had to deal with all those things, and, and he's pitched for an organization that, you know, pretty much for the duration of his time with them has been really bad. You know, they had one wild-card uh, appearance against the Yankees before this season, um, before those uh, – Big home run guys came in and totally changed the game up there in 2019 for that organization. But, you know, I, I think he, he might have the right attitude, and he's going to be a guy again. Rockies just kick the tires on him. You know, get to know this guy. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to just talk to a guy and talk to a free agent and go through the motions. It's another thing to make that final step, you know. And, and Colorado hasn't really – barely even kicked the tires on a lot of guys uh, in recent off-seasons from the starting rotation. And, and we know why, like you said, it's going on about 20 years now since the Mike Hampton and, and the Denny Nagel uh, business went on in the 2000-2001 off-season. So now's the time for them to really get back into the game because, you know, they're, they're in need of that. And they're putting a lot of pressure on these young guys. And the window of contention is closing. They got two years left at most, at most. Again, I could go on and on about that, about this being such an important offseason for them, and it's really going to start with what they do uh, as far as the, the starting rotation goes. Maybe it's a free agent. Maybe it's a trade. Maybe they're able to go out and pick up somebody similar to the uh, Herman Marquez deal, but a guy that's further along in his career and can actually help the on-field product in 2020 for the Rockies. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have that conversation sometime because I think we disagree about the, the window situation. Well, I think it's going to depend. I think it depends on how the next couple of seasons go, whether or not that window closes or is thrown open for another 
five or six seasons because I do think there's a, a, a route where they can keep all of these guys. But as you keep bringing up, that's going to depend on what they do right now. They have to land on these moves. They have to hit. They can't have another offseason where they spend money the way they did with Brian Shaw, Jake McGee. And at that time, it was Greg Holland. They followed the next year with Wade Davis. Same basic idea. You have to hit on these moves. And that's it. Like, whether we agree or disagree on the length of the window, whatever it is, we do agree on that in order for it to matter at all. Uh, so I'm not a Drew Smiley guy. You a Drew Smiley guy? He just hasn't gotten it done. He put up like a 624 ERA. He's definitely a reclamation project guy. He's always had an interesting skill set. Uh, back when he was with the Rays, he just never quite lived up to his talent, but pitched on some decent teams there. Really bad year this last offseason, like I said, a six-plus ERA. He's still, what, 30 years old, so 31. Uh, he's a big reason why Philadelphia had such a disappointing season. Any hope for a reclamation there? I'm not a Drew Smiley guy. And he checks the box as far as left-handers goes and, you know, is coming back from Tommy John surgery and, uh, you know, did, did all right, uh, if you will. A 6-2-4 ERA is all right, I guess, in 2019 parlance. But, you know, again, he checks off the box as far as being a left-hander. And, you know, he's a guy that's been, been coveted a lot. He's been, been uh, subject of a, of a lot of decent trades. And, you know, again, if, uh, if you want more consistent innings, you got to think he's going to build upon the 114 he, he threw this year in his first year back from TJ. And, again, if, if you want another lefty in the rotation, he could be one of those last guys off the board in that first week of February. All right, let's talk about a more exciting lefty. Spot Rack doesn't have him on here, but I'm like 90% certain that Eduardo Rodriguez is a free agent. I don't know if there's an option situation there. I've been asked about him a lot. According to his baseball reference page, he's a free agent. So I don't know if the Red Sox are just shopping him. If he is one, we'll have to double check on all of this. But I do like the idea of he's not. What do we got? Yeah, that's that's one of the funny things about baseball reference, too, is sometimes they'll they'll have earliest free agent. And, for example, if it says 2020, does that mean at the end of 2020 or at the beginning of 2020? Of course, you can also look, if you're not sure of various sites, when they look at service time, if a guy enters a season, you know, so for 2019, if you see that a guy has five point anything, so at a minimum of five years of service time, that means he just got his sixth year of service time and thus will be a free agent at that point. So Eduardo Rodriguez is a guy that, you know, he has his connections with, with the Rockies. If you know your history well, uh, Jorge De La Rosa was, uh, the deal was, was done in 2014 at the deadline. And uh, Rodriguez was, was going to go, uh, a big prospect from the Orioles, was going to go to Colorado for, for De La Rosa, and the deal was, uh, was nixed uh, by uh, Dick Monfort, ultimately, you know, wanted to, to stay true. You know, obviously, the, the organization has that loyalty to guys, which is, uh, which is a beautiful thing on, on one hand. And, uh, you know, uh, I think the Orioles were glad how that deal worked out because... Uh, you know, they got Andrew Miller there who, you know, just was absolutely shut down in that postseason in, in 2014 and really put himself on the map with that deal. But, you know, Rodriguez certainly could be in the rotation right now for the Rockies, too. So anyone who brings that up and says, hey, I, I would love to see the Rockies uh, have Rodriguez in, in the rotation, 
could have happened. And hey, maybe you know at the end of 2022, that that'll actually come to fruition. But that's kind of a shame that that deal never really went down. It's definitely one of those big what ifs in in franchise history. And I'm certain the Red Sox have been dangling them out there, and that's why people are asking me about them. But yeah, that would be a a trade, not a free agent situation. So let us continue on down here. Another guy who I've never been a huge fan of, uh, been with the Cardinals for a number of years, Michael Waka, big power fastball, has had some good seasons at 29 years old, still has some shine on him, but uh, coming off a year with a 476 ERA, he's also always been a bit more of a, a higher walk percentage guy. So, um, yeah, unless you want to sell me on him the way you did on Kyle Gibson, uh, Michael Waka. He's, he's interesting, but I think he may even get paid more than the Rockies would be interested because of the big fastball and the fact that he's still 29 years old. Um, I, I just don't see it there. Uh, similarly, Tyson Ross, just all the shine has come off of that guy at 33 years old. A pretty bad year this year with Detroit. He had some good years in San Diego, uh, as people know, but you know, I don't think there's anything really to be done there uh, now we get to a couple of really interesting right-handers uh, I know some people are excited about the idea of Julio Tehran I am not as much but could be sold I mean the numbers are decent he's coming off a solid season uh, he's always been a sub four ERA guy picked up 174 innings this last year he's still 29 years old good fastball uh, he's been uh, for a number of years, he just was the Braves' number one guy, and he knows the responsibility of that. There's some high-end potential there, but for me, walk rate a little higher, a little bit too much risk. He's been a little more up and down in his career. Uh, and then it's almost, just cross-apply literally everything I just said with Michael Pineda, uh, who, same basic idea. What do you think of those two? Going back to Waka, I think him and, and Tehran could definitely uh, benefit from just a, a change in location. Tehran, of course, has been with the Braves since he's 16 years old, so still a, still a young guy. And, you know, he's, he's consistently put up good seasons. I think, you know, Atlanta really wanted him, you know, to, to be, the, be the ace. And, and, he, and that never fully, you know, came to fruition. But <clears throat> I think he has a lot of really good years ahead of him. And, and he's, he's one of the more interesting guys that are out there because I think there could be a team – that, you know, depending on, uh, you know, what his agency and representation does for him, you know, if they talk a good game, he could he could wind up with a with a sneaky uh, big deal that, you know, people will look back and go, wow, that was, you know, that was the, the eighth largest contract by a starting pitcher because I think he's got, you know, kind of that upside, uh, you know, being only, you know, 29 years old at this point. But um, Waka, again, I, I think the shine's off him a little bit. You know, big fastball, as you mentioned, Drew, but... You know, got himself relegated to the to the bullpen, um, and you know, at any time, you know, uh, a guy in the Cardinals organization can't really get it figured out there. I, I think that's kind of a big detractor for that player, and I, I think people might be down on him a little bit as, you know, the idea that if a guy can't buy into the Cardinals' way, that might not be a guy you want in your own organization. So, who was the last guy you, you mentioned? We had Tehran, we had Walker. Oh, Michael Pineda, yeah, Michael Pineda, you know, again, another, another big arm guy, but um, uh, I've heard some not, not so great things of, about him as, as far as maybe, 
I don't want to say he's not a clubhouse guy, but, you know, um, he's, uh, he's can be a little temperamental. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's, there's going to be a match uh, for him. To go back to the guys that I targeted, the only other one, and, and I'm, really, I'm really curious to see who, how you would feel about this guy since he's, he's pitched in the division, he's pitched out west. And, again, he checks off the box as far as being a left-handed pitcher. That's Wade Miley. Now, Miley, of course, you know, we, we didn't get to see him in the, the playoffs with uh, the Astros, unfortunately. But, you know, he's, he's been around for a minute, you know, and, and he can be an innings eater, and he's a bulldog, and he's got that, you know, prototypical uh, pitcher's body, if you will, uh, with his big behind. Uh, but, you know, hey, two years, $20 million, that's a nice behind to be looking at every fifth day for the for the Rockies right now. Um, again, a lot of experience with, with Arizona pitching at Coors Field. I have some interest in him. He'd be he'd be my uh, fifth most uh, feasible. We'll say that feasible guy for Colorado to kick the tires on. So I know you've seen him and pitch a lot in this division against the Rockies. Uh, a lot of experience in the game. Uh, what, yeah. What do you, what's your take on Wade Miley, Drew? Yeah, this is my other guy. This is probably the number two on my list. There are some red flags that concern me. Uh, he had an injury issue last year. Look, everybody gets hurt. Stuff happens. You just always worry about that a little bit more with pitchers in Colorado. Um, the strikeout rate has never been huge uh, when you put the ball in play. This last year, uh, you know, he gave up uh, 1.24 home runs per nine. He's had years at 1.43 and 1.36. So, oddly enough, not a career high when everyone else was setting their career highs in home runs per nine. So that may even be a good sign. He does get ground balls at a decent rate, though. That's been declining a little bit. But the guy's two years removed from putting up a 2.57 ERA with the Brewers. Uh, he had some really tough years in Baltimore. Uh, but before that, with the Diamondbacks, as we all know, some really, really solid seasons where he was pitching around 200 innings and sitting in the low to mid threes with the ERA. The lefty, I do think because of his age at 33 years old, you might be able to get him for a little bit cheaper. He is coming off a slight down year with the 398 ERA, but still put up a solid two FWAR campaign for the Houston Astros. I like Wade Miley a lot. I think he's a guy that Diamondbacks Park is a tough place to pitch, and he was pitching there before they had a humidor when they were putting up sometimes really close to Coors Field park-adjusted numbers, and they were... Uh, giving up more home runs per, and he was keeping it down. And so I've always liked him. He's become a free agent a, a couple of times. He's been on the market. And I said, are they interested in this guy? I, I, you do have to wonder that question. Does he have no interest in coming to Colorado? Uh, would it be different now that he's at that point of his career? But for me, he's number two on my list after Roark. I, I think he would be, and because of what you mentioned about them losing Anderson and Howard, them really not having a whole lot of lefties, look inside the division you got to get as many games as you can against those Dodgers who are much better when they can throw out their all lefty lineup he would combat that in an interesting way um the walks at 314 for his career pretty low uh last year 328 you live with that uh I like him I like him a lot I think he could be a game changer for the Rockies uh how much do you think he's going to cost what's your projection on that well, you know, he hasn't made a lot of money in his, his career. You know, the most uh, he made in a season was just under $9 million. So, you know, again, being a marquee guy comes with marquee money. You know, say what you will about Bryce Harper. And, you know, a few years ago, there was a discussion about, 
You know, is it Trout or is it Harper after uh, Bryce's big MVP season? And now it's like it's not even close. You know, is you 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 could might be hard pressed to find you know some some uh, baseball analysts who would even put Harper in their top ten right now. Uh, but he's a marquee guy, so he got his marquee money. Drew, uh, excuse me, Wade Miley has never been a marquee guy, so. You know, he's, he's a little bit older, you know, finally uh, entering free agency here like this at 33 years old. So, you know, you're, you're going to get him a little bit cheaper. He's coming off of slightly down year. Um, you know, he was in that, that uh, I misspoke, he was in the, the opening series against Tampa Bay. But last year with Milwaukee, you know, he made uh, three starts against, you know, the Dodgers and pitched, you know, really well, 1.8 ERA uh, over those 10 innings, of course, you know, was was used kind of as an opener, of course, uh, with Milwaukee. But he uh, he can he can pick teams pretty well. He said, "Oh, let me go to Milwaukee. I, I see something in them." They did pretty well. Uh, went to Houston this year, and yeah, they did pretty well. Went to the World Series. So you know, if if they can come together on a on a nice little two year pack at twenty million, I think he would probably be worth less to another organization and would take less in another organization. But if they come together, you like that from the Rockies. Uh, perspective of, of having another lefty in the rotation and you like from the fact that you know what Miley does a, a decent job in uh in picking out franchises he wants to play with he's he's two for two over the last two years in picking playoff contenders so yeah we're definitely on the same page with him I like that I like that take on it a lot and I'd go out I mean I'd offer that and a little bit more and be more than happy with saying your off season is Wade Miley and then a couple of other journeyman guys to fill out your roster and that being the big get I, I i would be selling that to rockies fans as something they should be very excited about something that could be very exciting but i really have no idea how to evaluate this player is danny salazar who was an absolute flamethrower for cleveland for a couple of years he's got a career strikeout rate above 10 per nine he's got a couple of seasons where he was over 12 for Cleveland just a ridiculous uh, couple of years there between 2014 and 2017 it looks like for Cleveland but then he missed all of 2018 and most of 2019 with injury and I just have no idea what the market is going to do with this guy if he ends up you know, falling to a place where it looks like it might make some sense, the Rockies could get involved. But again, I just don't know that there's much of anything to say beyond this is where you need scouts. We talk a lot about when you really need the numbers and when you really need the eye test. This is somebody you just need to go and watch pitch. Kind of like the year when they picked up Greg Holland and he was just out there and nobody knew at all what to expect. He had missed a year and a half with injury as well. They had to go see him pitch out on a high school ball field and be like, oh, okay, this is what it looks like he's got left. So, Yeah, on a, on a given year, I, I would definitely would have some interest in, in Danny Salazar. You know, he too, of course, has a little bit of playoff experience uh, with Cleveland. But, you know, with, with the injury, you know, obviously one of the reasons he is a free agent is because, you know, this, this should have been his final year with, with Cleveland before uh, – reaching the free agent market in normal terms <laughs> where you earn it. Uh, but again, I, I, we're not really sure of uh, what his health looks like right now at this point. So, you know, again, you kick the tires on him, maybe bring him in on a, on a minor league deal and, you know, he can maybe make an impact for the second half of the season. He can kind of be like, you know, a Chichi Rodriguez type of guy, but 
you know, again, yeah, being on the younger side, entering his thirty, uh, his year thirty season, he if he's gonna sign a minor league deal, sign with somebody that you know it might add some value to him too. But um, any other year, you know, I I, I de- definitely would have liked to have that Danny organization, uh, you know, come to the ballpark and watch him pitch. And and I think he'd be one of those guys that if they announced tomorrow, like they signed a two million dollar, a two year five million dollar deal with. Danny Salazar, we'd both be like, that could end up huge. It could end up nothing. It could end up they gave $5 million to a guy who will never tow the rubber at Coors Field. We have no idea where he's at right now. But it'd be one of those things I think our eyebrows would go up a little bit because the high-end upside potential there. It is very similar to the Greg Holland thing where they got him for next to nothing and nobody had seen him pitch in a while. And then he ended up being a huge factor on that 2017 team. And Salazar is a guy with that kind of talent, but beyond that, we can't analyze it too much because there's just so much we just do not know. Yeah, there's been a couple guys that we've uh, seen organizations get creative. I think Texas may have even been uh, both with both those guys signing a two-year deal with Drew Smiley and Mike Miner and saying, look, we know you're not going to really bring anything to us right now. Uh, you were released. You were granted free agency, even though you just had Tommy John surgery. Uh, but, you know, we see some value here. So we'll pay you for, you know, year one. Now it does take up a spot on the 40-man roster uh, during the offseason. Uh, but you'll get that back during the year. And then, hey, year two, that's really where that might possibly pay off. So, you know, you, you hit on something there. That, that certainly could be a possibility. But, again, that, that wouldn't help them necessarily for 2020. Again, we don't see the, uh, the health reports of these guys um, so we don't know exactly what, a, what could work. But, you know, that could be a, a creative way to, to bring in some, you know, uh, um, big body pitchers and, and powerful arms into the rotation like that. Here's a candidate that's so under the radar I actually did not know who this was. But a lefty uh, out of the – had been in the Rangers organization for a while this year with the Twins, did not have a particularly great season. He's never had – great numbers he's got a career 472 era but martin perez has also been an innings eater he keeps the walks low he's another one of those guys who every year he's basically a two fr pitcher even this last season with a 512 era he managed to get his 165 innings um pitch in 32 games for the twins it uh, looks like he's been pretty healthy over the years this is not an exciting pick but he's somebody at 29 years old and as a lefty could be very intriguing for the Rockies if they see something specific in him that they like. Uh, he's somebody I could see as an intriguing piece, especially if he doesn't cost too much. His ERA is 482, 439, 446, 495. Like these are not spectacular numbers by any means. I don't think on the market he's going to, you know, command a big price, but he could be an interesting lower risk. At least, again, you're, you're not counting on this guy to come in and, and take over a potential top of the rotation spot like some of these other guys we've said maybe. He's going to be your fourth or fifth, but maybe there's a really good fourth or fifth guy to go out and get. Yeah, I was a little surprised that Minnesota didn't pick up his option. It was only for $7.5 million, but uh, especially considering they lost Gibson and Odorizzi. Um, so I don't know if they're going to be making a play on, on one of their own guys to bring him back, but having to, to fill three spots in your rotation – Obviously, it's going to be uh, pretty harder for uh, for Minnesota to to have to deal with that. He could be yeah, he could be an interesting play, but again, he'll be one of those final guys off the board that uh, is less sexy, <laughs> if you will, uh, for the organization. But he's been an innings eater three out of the last four years. 
excluding uh, uh, an injury plague 2018 season. But yeah, I'm not. I, I think we are on the same page. We uh, not too interested in this guy. Then, uh, whether you'd be interested in him or not, I'll just say this. Jordan Lyles isn't coming back to the Colorado Rockies for the same reason that none of us watch home movies of our most embarrassing moments in high school. Like, the, that he's just, he's the one guy on this list beyond, like, the Steven Strasburgs, who I'm absolutely certain will not be coming back to the Rockies. He's experienced success literally everywhere else but in Colorado. Uh, he, the last thing he wants to do is ever see Coors Field ever again. Uh, and then... Chad Bettis, who I'll skim over quickly simply because I think if anybody else out there takes a chance on him, offers him a million or two, he's gone. If nobody else takes a chance on him, I think he just comes back to the Rockies on a minor league deal. Could be some interesting depth, potential bullpen piece. But Chad Bettis isn't going to be a rock-the-boat candidate one way or the other. And you don't need us to break him down for you because you're Rockies fans and you know who Chad Bettis is. He's been in the organization for nine years. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, and especially the lawn that you're standing on tells you that they don't want you standing on it. You're going to get off that lawn. So I think somebody else will, will take a chance on him. And even if, again, if, if it's a minor league deal, uh, go to an organization that you're not as familiar with. Maybe you can pick something up. He knows what he's going to get, what he's going to get with Colorado. So I, I think he's going to try to maybe look for a match with somebody else, go back to Texas. You know, of course, was originally drafted by, you know, Houston out of high school, um, we know he's a he's a strong Texas Tech supporter. Uh, loves his uh, loves his Red Raiders. Um, so you know maybe he, he signs with the Rangers. But I could see you know one of those teams down in Texas kind of at least giving him a minor league deal if uh, if nobody else you know sees anything interesting in him. All right, we're getting down to the last couple of names I wanted to discuss. Adam Wainwright, who's a pitcher I think of from an entirely different era of baseball, uh, still in the league. At 38 years old, he put up a 419 ERA over 171 innings pitched for the St. Louis Cardinals. He's been a Cardinal. He's always been a Cardinal. My guess is he'll finish out his career with that team. If he is, for whatever reason, interested in exploring and doing his year 39 season with some other team, sure I'd have the Rockies. I mean, Adam Wainwright's really good and has been for a very long time. I don't think, again, you're expecting him to take over in the top of your rotation. You're looking at a back end of the rotation guy now, but he could be a very solid one. And who knows what you could get just from having that mind around all of these 27 to 24-year-old pitchers that the Rockies have. Having a guy with... How many innings has he pitched in his career, and how many postseason innings has he Well, that's exactly right. You know, he's going into his age 38 season with 2,000 innings pitched. And remember us talking about another guy with 2,000 uh, on his arm, for better or worse, Rick Porcello. And he's, you know, only he's going into his year 31 season. So Wainwright would be interesting. You know, originally drafted by the Braves. Uh, you certainly could see him maybe going, uh, going back there play for his hometown uh, or home state team. He's from uh, Georgia. Wainwright would be interesting, but, you know, kind of as you touched on, you know, getting down to the nitty-gritty, there's nobody else that's really sexy or nobody else that has, you know, much of a, of a high side that's left out there. You know, Homer Bailey's a guy, and, uh, you know, we certainly can get your thoughts on, on, on players like that and Gio Gonzalez. But, you know, the two other wild-card players that I had just outside of my top five, and... You know, I've, I've only seen one of these guys pitch, and it wasn't very long, and there was a reason why uh, I stopped seeing him pitch for a while. And that first guy is Josh Lindblom, who 
uh, I can remember, you know, being back on the East Coast and the, the Phillies acquired him for uh, Michael Young, and that was kind of a, a, a big deal for a minute. Hey, maybe this, this guy could be something. Um, he wasn't. Uh, but he went over to Korea, and he's pitched there for the past two-plus years to, uh, you know, a 2-5 just under ERA. And, you know, that's, that is a notorious uh, hitter's league. And, you know, we've, we've seen guys come over, come back, really, to America and have made their mark here uh, in America, you know, on the pitching side. Merrill Kelly did, you know, a serviceable job last year for Arizona. And if, if we're looking for someone to be serviceable and if we're looking for someone who, again, could have an uptick in his career at age 33, it could be Lindblom. Two-year, $10 million deal if no one else is knocking on his, uh, his door and, and putting something out there. That, why not? Why not? You know, I know $5 million annually um, is more than you or I may make in our lifetime. Uh, but to the Colorado Rockies and to most Major League Baseball teams, that's a drop in the bucket. And uh, I know they've got their payroll constraints right now, but he would certainly be a, a guy that you take a chance on. You know, if, if you have your guys take a look at some video and, and, and see, what, see what shakes out of that, and, and maybe he's a guy that can be a, a number three starter. If, uh, if, if he has any chance of being a number one or number two starter, somebody else will probably already be uh, knocking on his door and be sitting in his living room offering him a, a big, much larger contract. Um, but he could be one of those guys. Um, and again... If you want to take a chance and you want to do it on a lefty, uh, it's, uh, it's a relative household name, Drew. Kwang Hyun Kim. You know, Kwang Hyun Kim. Yeah. Not, not that Kwang Hyun Kim, no, no, but the, the one who pitched in Korea. Yeah, uh, 32 years old. He's a lefty. He's going to command more money than Limblom is going to this offseason. And, yeah, these are unknown commodities, but they are commodities that have, you know, that are, are thrown close to 200 innings a year. They've had success. They've... They've had to deal with baseballs flying out of their ballpark at an ungodly rate. And, you know, there's, there's people here in, a, in America, uh, in North America too, don't forget the Blue Jays, uh, that, that believe in these guys and think they actually have a chance. Now, uh, Hyun Kim, I, I think um, you are, you are going to have to pay his, his team in Korea. He's not a, I don't think he's a, a true free agent. Um, but, you know, they're, they're guys that are, are coming over here to apply their trade. And you might be able to catch lightning in a bottle with those two guys if you're looking to be a bit frugal and you're looking to kind of fortify the starting rotation Lindblom and Hyung Kim could be two of those wild card guys that you might want to put on your list absolutely this is the exact kind of outside the box thinking that the Colorado Rockies should be engaged in whether it's these specific names in this specific area or some other ones I'm sure we'll get into when we're talking relievers outfielders there are some interesting candidates of guys who didn't even play in major league baseball last year and i i mentioned in a recent podcast the idea of showing up to spring training major league style with a bunch of dudes who are cast-offs and who don't know each other pulling up in different cars and do you know uh, what league did you play in you know california penal or whatever but just getting a group of dudes uh together and i like this idea a lot if you can't land the Jake Odorizzi or the Wade Miley, if those guys get priced up and you don't want to make that your whole offseason, I say go this way. Get them both. You know, get get a couple of these. Get Lindblom if he falls under the radar and, and throw some money at um, uh, the Korean kid. I say kid. He's 32 years old. 
Hwang Hyung Kim, not to be confused with Byung Hyung Kim uh, from back in the day, the only other Hyung Kim that I know. Not that I'm especially well-versed, but uh, yeah, getting these types of guys who, like you said, they're unknown commodities, but could still be big pluses for your team at a theoretically pretty low cost. Really great idea uh, for the Rockies. Veterans that people are familiar with. You mentioned a couple of them there that I did want to close out with. I've seen Brett Anderson's name coming up more and more, which to me is just head shaking as a guy who's always had injury concerns throughout his entire career and was a Rocky at one point and was hurt the whole time. And he was actually pretty good, though, when he was on the mound. As a Rocky, he was solid. And I do think he likes the organization in general. So, again, if there's more, you know, behind the curtains that I don't know about where Brett Anderson is at in his career right now, I wouldn't hate it. I'm just surprised this is coming up because his first tenure here was so completely indicative of everything wrong with him. I just can't imagine the Rockies stepping on that banana peel again. It's funny because, you know, we, we have these guys coupled together like Lyles and Bettis about whether they, they may or may not come back. And if, if you're talking about Brett Anderson, you also have to couple him with Drew Pomerantz, who he was traded for. He's also a free agent. You know, yeah. Again, checks off the box as far as, you know, being, being a left-hander. Uh, I don't know that he enjoyed his time here. Uh, it was very, uh, Drew saying, 0% chance. Point, 0. point what, though, is the real... Real question, but you know, uh, had had a, he pitched incredibly well with San Diego back in 2016, and Boston, you know, gave up a lot to get him, and you know, kind of came back down to earth after that point. Uh, you know, pitched well out of the bullpen from Milwaukee, and I think you know he might he might be more of a reliever type now at this uh, point in his career. But there's a lot of guys out there you think about it you know that that are free agents that you know could possibly eat innings that aren't as attractive they might not you know I, most people listening to this probably have never heard of of Josh Lindblom or Kwang Hyung Kim but they might actually feel excited about them and nobody else that we can name at this point if you're looking at you know innings eaters and free agents whether it's Gabriel Inoa uh, or Clay Buckholtz former Diamondback we saw him last year Jared Eikhoff, Dan Straley, Shelby Miller, maybe. Does, does he have something else left? Gio Gonzalez, lefty. I know he's a guy that, that you might have some interest in. Um, and then, you know, everybody else is, uh, is uh, an also-ran, no doubt about it. But Gio Gonzalez is a guy, you know, I looked at his numbers, and, you know, he's just been kind of shuffled around a lot uh, on several one-year deals these last uh, few seasons. And I'm not really sure what the deal is about uh, with that with him, but, you know, I, I think he certainly could have a resurgence. And, and as a lefty, he might be, uh, again, a nice little innings eater you have uh, for the Rockies rotation. Yeah, he's third on my list. And now, maybe not now that you've sold me on Kyle Gibson a little bit. I think Kyle Gibson could have moved, so, so well done there. But let me do my best to sell you or anyone listening to this on Gio Gonzalez, who I've had a sports crush on for a little while another former nationals pitcher this is another guy who's been steady now this last year i think the brewers were messing around with him you know they're always doing stuff he only threw 87 innings but before that his career low was 158 for the nationals beyond that 170 he's pitched over 200 innings in his career back in 2017 not that long ago 
He, he's had some years. His career high in ERA is 457. His career ERA is 368. Let's do the FWAR game season by season. 2.2, and then last year with the Brewers, a 1.4. He's going to be 35 years old. He's left-handed, but he's steady. He's got a, now the career walk rate's a little higher at 377 than some of these other guys we've been looking at, either in the low threes or Roark with his 257, which just keeps getting me excited. But he does have better swing and miss stuff than a lot of those other guys. Had a strikeout rate over eight per nine last year. Uh, keeps the ball on the ground pretty well had a home run per nine under one this last year which almost nobody in baseball was doing and so yeah uh now the the flip side of that is his era of 350 with the brewers this last year which is really good uh belies a fip and x fip that were a bit higher at 404 and 445 but unless he gets priced up i i think he could fall right into the goldilocks zone for the rockies at 35 years old no one's going to throw a ton of money at him but would you be shocked if he put up another season of 150 innings with a 350 ERA? That's kind of been the guy he is. Like, yeah, he, he's actually very high on my list. I don't know the most recent data on how his arm looks. If maybe there's something out there, hey, he's starting to taper off a little bit. But the numbers still look good. The arm is still there. The consistency. I like me some Gio Gonzalez. I, I, I think especially if he came in at around that $10 million a year mark, it could be a really quality pickup for the Rockies. Yeah, he'll be affordable. He'll, he'll be cheap. Um, you know, you might have guessed he was going to make $10 million in 2019, but he ended up signing a minor league deal because, again, that's kind of how free agency has gone a little bit. And it also tells you that, you know, he doesn't want to just make that money. He, he wants to go out and play with somebody that actually has a chance to play deep into the postseason for him to, to win a ring, sign with the Yankees, uh, you know, was, was cut early there in, in, in spring training, um, entering his year 34 season. And, you know, the one thing that I, I know you're going to like, Drew, uh, is that he was, uh, he was traded for by the White Sox. Oh, he wasn't traded for. He was in two different White Sox deals, two different Nationals deals. But the man was once traded for one of your favorite players, Jim Tomey. So, you know, he's, he's, it was long coveted for a while. He was traded twice before he even made his debut with Oakland. But, you know, he, he's a guy that, that could be had. Um, you know, he did well. He had four starts in, in September uh, with a 1.17 ERA. So, you know, the, the guy still has a lot of baseball in him. And, you know, he's a lefty. Um, I've, I've never seen any data on this, but it's definitely uh, a long-held belief that, you know, lefties age a lot better, you know. And, you know, again, Jamie Moyer, hello, 49 years old, he was a lefty. So, you know, I think there's something to that. To, I don't know if Gio Gonzalez has 15 more years left in his career. Uh, you know, I don't, maybe Bartolo Colon might, but, uh, but not, not necessarily Gio Gonzalez. So, you know, he, he probably would, for Colorado, would want to get, a, you know, a major league deal for, you know, at least $5 million. But, you know, you wait around long enough in February – no one else is interested. Everyone else is off the board. Maybe he does take a, a minor league deal like he has, you know, the last year. So I, I do like Gio Gonzalez. He's, he's probably in the back end of my top ten as well. He could be an interesting fit. 
All right, and with that, if you think it's possible we've left out someone worthy of conversation, absolutely let us know, and we'll dive into it. I'll be shocked if someone really wants us to break down Nick Tropiano or <laughs> Dan Straley or... Tom Malone, uh, I, I don't think anyone, there's going to be a big desire for that. If you do, let us know, and we will. I feel like we've covered the starting pitching market here pretty well. We've given you some of our favorites. Let us know what yours are. Comment on the dnvr.com on the podcast. That's the easiest way to make sure we see your comment. Of course, you can always tweet at us, at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Creaseman, or at dnvr underscore Rockies. Make sure you're subscribed to DNVR and you, I think we're still using promo codes. You can use the promo code Drew or the promo code Lions to help us beat those other sports, maybe win ourselves some free beer. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, but beyond that, man, just make sure you're continuing to enjoy these podcasts. We're going to obviously do the other positions as well. We'll see how specifically we break it down there. Uh, and we're just going to keep doing all of this stuff. We're going to have features coming your way. Make sure you check out all the new merchandise at the dnvrlocker.com. Got some really cool new stuff on sale there. Thank you all for listening. We just hope you will continue to be absolutely awesome. We will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward and anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect, just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Dear sports fans, elevate your game to the next level with a Toyota truck. Drive the crowd favorite Tacoma. This versatile playmaker is ready to own the weekend. Choose the tailgating MVP, the Toyota Tundra. This is one vehicle that comes up clutch. Or ride in the adventurous 4Runner, a true champion on and off the road. Whichever truck you choose, you're getting a real winner. Come join the team of champions, Toyota Trucks. Visit toyota.com to learn more or check out your local Toyota dealership today. Toyota, let's go places.